Hello, everybody. After spending a week in Nashville, I'm feeling tempted to say, how y'all doing? <laughs> so I also want to let you know that I'm wearing my Johnny Cash socks. I hear the train coming. <laughs> Thus endeth the sermon. Uh, I wait for someone to say amen, but that's all right. <laughs> uh, anyways, uh, it's good to be here. If you have your Bibles, I'd love to have you turn with me to the book of Psalms. As Rick mentioned, we're doing a series this summer on the Psalms. And uh, many of them will be familiar today. Today's will be familiar. I know you're already saying, what Psalm are you having me turn to right now? Well, I'm not telling you yet, all right? You're going to be okay. We're going to get there. But I want you ready. So can I get five or six people who are willing to pray for me and for us as we... Uh, awesome. Thank you. Excellent. How many of you know that God loves relationship? That's right. God created relationship, didn't he? It was his idea. Everything God does, as Graham Cook says, is relational. Did you get that? Because God is relational. One of Jesus' closest friends, if not his best friend on earth, describes God as this. Ready? God is love. And everything God does, because it's out of his nature for relationship in love, everything God does is relational. God loves heart-to-heart, face-to-face connection. He always has. He always will. It's because he's who he is. Do you know that God's deepest desire, because he's relational in nature, because he is love, because he's the embodiment of everything that was created to be relational, his deepest desire is for us to connect deeply with him. It's God's deepest desire that we would have a deep friendship and deep relationship with him. In fact, we were created for it. You know, the the Westminster Shorter Catechism that some of you may have grown up in says the chief end of man is to know God and enjoy him forever. That's just a liturgical way, a fancy way uh, of saying God is relational and we were created for relationship with him. God always has desired it. We were created for it. In fact, we crave it because we were created to live in relationship. We were created in his image to be relational, to have, and we have this desire 
ultimately because God infused it into who we were when we were created to have this heart-to-heart, this deep, and we use this word, intimate connection with God. It's his desire. It's his design. It's his. And King David, he loved it too. King David, who God said about him, he's a man after my own mind. Some of you got the cheat sheet, right? He's a man after my own heart. That's God's way of saying, you know, when I look at David, he, he's both, he, he reflects the heart that I have, but he's also a man after and pursues my heart. David will live from that place. And David wrote many of the Psalms, and the Psalm I'm going to read today, and we're going to go through, was a Psalm of David. And so many of these Psalms that David writes, he's writing as a man after God's own heart. He's a man who lives from the heart. He's a man who felt passionately, who lived passionately, who had a heart towards God. And he, he had these emotions that he, we would say in today's world, he was in touch with his emotions because he reflected the heart of God. And he poured out this heart in the Psalms. If you read through the Psalms, especially the Psalms of David, you see all this. When David writes these Psalms, he's pouring out his heart. He's got the highest of highs and the lowest of lows. He's got the good, the bad, and the ugly in there, doesn't he? David doesn't sugarcoat it. He's got these raw emotions. He's got the good and the bad. He's got the the highs and the lows. He's got the easy and the hard. And he just pours it out and expresses them. That's just how he does it. He writes them in these songs. And it's the the Psalms, in my opinion, I think it's, it's, it's a book of the heart. It's from the heart. And then the Psalms can often be the expression of the heart. And it actually, as Bill Johnson says, that we can find our voice sometimes in the Psalms. Has anyone ever had a hard time expressing the mixture of emotions that you feel in a moment? Yeah, me too. And sometimes the Psalms, when we read through the Psalms, we go, man, that says what I felt or what I'm feeling or what I want to feel. And and David's so good at it. David's so good at, at coming into the presence of God. And, and sometimes you go, man, David, you were bold in your complaints against God. Right? I would never say that to God. Well, maybe you should. Especially if it's in you. Right? I would never say that. But I believe that David knew the heart of God, and so when he brings his heart, even though sometimes that you go, David, I don't even know if what you're feeling is true. As he expressed it, it made room for God to express the truth of his circumstances. So I want to read through today Psalm, a very familiar psalm, Psalm 139, a psalm of David. A psalm of David. And for some of you who you've You've heard this psalm before. You've read it through before. Can I encourage you? Let's read it with with fresh eyes. Is that all right? I know some of you, you're like, oh, I know this one. I've I've sung it. Some of you have even taught from it. You've preached it. You've memorized it. Let's look at it again, knowing that this is David, King David, who's expressing his heart towards the Lord. He starts and he says, you have searched me, O Lord, and you know me. 
You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. That's scary. You hem me in behind and before me. You lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to even attain. Verse 7, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths, you're there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, that's the east, and if I settle on the far side of the sea to the west, even there your hand will guide me, your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely darkness will hide me, and the light becomes night around me, even the darkness will be not, not be dark to you, the night will shine like the day, for the darkness is as light to you. For you created me. In my inmost being, you knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame wasn't hidden from you. When I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written about in your book before one of them even came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I am awake, I am still with you. Drop down to verse 23. He concludes the psalm. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me into the way everlasting. Let me summarize this psalm. There's a lot there, and we're going to look at mostly one part of it. But this psalm is, is, is the deepness. It's a, this whole psalm is about the depths of the knowledge that God has towards us. David recounts, and he, and he goes through this whole thing. You have searched me. You know me. You know all this stuff about me. You know every thought before I think it, before every word coming out of my mouth. You know it. You know every bit about me. You see into me. It's the very definition of intimacy, which is into me see. You see it all, God. And the whole psalm is basically the depths to which God sees every part of David's life. Let me summarize it even this way. God knows me deeply, and he deeply cares about me. Did you get that? God knows me deeply, and he still cares deeply for me. That's good news. But if you read through this, in the middle of this psalm, there's an important theme that we may miss, and I want to dive into it. Starting in verse 2, David says this, you know when I sit and when I rise, you know when I get up, when I go to sleep, when I sit down, you know my free time, you know my work time, you know everything about it, you perceive my thoughts from afar. That means he's not saying that God is distant from me, he's saying even from a future separation of time that God knows my thoughts. And then in verse 3, he goes, you discern my going out, my lying down. You're familiar with all my ways. You know me. Verse 7, 
Then he says this, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? And then he says, if I go up to the heavens, you're there. If I make my beds in the depths, you're there. From the east, from the west, from the dawn to the sea, even there, you are there. Verse 11, if I say, surely darkness will hide me and the light become night around me. Even that won't be dark to you. The night shines like the day to you, for darkness is as light to you. You catch a theme in here? There's a theme in here that David starts and goes, you totally know me. He goes, you knew me in my mother's womb. You know all about me. And then he rises. But right in the middle, there's this theme. David's saying, where can I go? Where can I flee from you? Where can I hide from you? Then he lists all the extremes of trying to get away from God and can't. Well, why would this guy who's got a heart after God, why would David, who loves heart-to-heart, face-to-face connection, why would David, who, who loves the intimacy of God and has experienced it and he expresses it, why does he want to hide from God? Have you ever thought about that? Why is he saying, he lists there, where can I go? I believe that David tried to. He can say this isn't just theoretical or theological. He's going, I've tried to get away from you. And I've gone to extremes. And I can't. But here's the question underlying. Why does he even want to? Why does he want to get away from God? You want the answer? It's real simple. The same reason I do. The same reason you do. The same reason that person next to you definitely does. (laughs) Why do we hide from God? Why do we even try all the extremes of hiding from the one who knows everything about us. And it's this, shame and fear. Shame and fear and the results of lost connection. If you have, you still your Bibles out, I'd love to have you turn with me back to Genesis chapter three. Let's get to the beginning. Because can I just say, I think David's just expressing the reality of a symptom or a condition that we all are dealing with. Because I can guarantee every person in this room and every person who's not in this room today has the same condition that leads us to even though we were created to live face-to-face with God, that we do often what we can to hide from God. Even in church. I might be tempted to say, especially in church. We just get better at it. Verse 8 in Genesis chapter 3. Now let me give you the context of this. This is in the Garden of Eden. This is after God has created the earth and everything in it. He said all of it's good. He sees Adam, man, and he says it's not good for man to be alone. So he creates Eve, who was co-equal, co-heir part of this, that they two together would complement each other, love each other, and together they would have dominion over the earth on God's behalf, bearing his image to rule and reign on the earth to bring the kingdom of God. And everything God created in the earth was good. And Adam and Eve, they lived in intimacy and in harmony and unity together and with God. 
They walked and talked with God. There was nothing separating them. It was exactly as God designed, desired, and intended. They lived in heart-to-heart relationship with each other. And, and, and it's so much so that God let them walk around, as we'd say in Nashville, naked. <laughs> right? Buck naked. And it was good. Eyes on me. Everyone up here. So. Because there was nothing to separate them from each other and from God. Intimacy, face-to-face, heart-to-heart, voice-to-voice, skin-to-skin connection. Without shame, without fear, without sin. Without getting all weird about the neck in this part. That sounds pretty cool, doesn't it? Four people think so. The rest of you are like looking down, trying not to make eye contact. No. no. Thanks for proving my point. Anyways. And then sin enters the picture. Satan, who's had his face-to-face, heart-to-heart connection with God forever interrupted by his rebellion, is looking to mess it up for the rest of us. He comes in and tempts Adam and Eve and they stumble into sin and they disobey God and they believed a lie that God wasn't trying to protect them. He was trying to prevent them. It's the heart of every lie the enemy ever tells. To erode the trust in a loving father who's looking to protect and provide and he says he's trying to prevent and hurt you. And so, this is, they've just fallen into sin. And here's what happens. Verse 8, Genesis chapter 3. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord called to man and said, Where are you? The man answered. He answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And then he said, then God said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? Then the man said, The woman you put here with me, you're already ahead of me. She gave me some of the fruit of the tree, and I ate it. Then the Lord said to the woman, what's this that you've done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me, and I ate it. Do you see this phrase? Do you see what's happening in this this picture? Look what takes place. Because of sin and what's happened here and everything, in verse 10, look at what it says again. The Lord said, where are you? Where, where are you guys? We've, every day we do this. We, we have heart-to-heart talks. We walk in together. We talk together. We're, li- you know, we're in the cool of the garden together. We're hanging out. This is what I long for. Where'd you go? Now, can I just say, suggest to you right now, this is not God really wondering where they are. This is like the parent who knows the kid's hiding in the room somewhere because he sees his shoes from underneath the bed, right? But knows he's hiding so ask the question, where are you? Why, where are you? 
And the three answers that Adam gives reveals a lot about us and about our condition. Ready? Here it is. I heard you. I was afraid because I was naked, and so I hid from you. By the way, it could have been plural. We heard you. We were naked. We were afraid. We hid. It starts with this. I heard you. And because of the shame and the fear that was now over them because of their disobedience there, and, and, and really what this is about is disconnection from God. Do you see this? It was their disconnection that got interrupted. And, and, and we often make sin about behavior, and obviously there's actions involved, but God hates sin because it, it disrupts connection. It messes with relationship. It breaks that heart-to-heart, face-to-face thing, and he doesn't like it. He hates it. That's why I asked the question, where are you? He wants to reveal what's going on in this. And he says, I heard you. You know, here it is. God's wanting to draw near. God's calling out to them. He's walking in the garden. He's saying, where are you? Because he wants to live in deep connection and intimate connection with us, with nothing preventing us from coming to God. That's where he's coming to us. He's calling to us. How many of you know that if you have a relationship with God, before you decided to come to him, he was the one coming to you? He's the one calling out. He's the one, even before, sometimes we're still hiding in the trees. You ever try to hide behind a tree? (sighs) Unless you're in like Sequoia National Forest, it ain't working. We're like Shaquille O'Neal trying to hide behind a bamboo pole. Right? God calls out, where are you? Where are you? God wants Connection, and one of the ways that that happens is through hearing his voice and dialoguing with him. But when we're in a place where shame is impacting our lives, when shame is there and the fear is there and we're hiding from God, it always separates us from his voice and deep connection with him. When we're hiding from God, you don't want to hear his voice. And in fact, we become good at drowning out his voice and ignoring his voice. And the voice of our Father that used to bring comfort to us is now actually causing us to panic and have an anxiety, and we're afraid, and so we're hiding even more, and oh no, here he comes. And we're like that naughty kid now who hears his Father's voice and is going, uh-oh, uh-oh, I hear my Father walking up the stairs, and he's going, where are you? And all I want to do is hide. Especially when he says, where are you? Which is also him trying to say, I want to see you. And Adam's response, I was naked. I was naked. You know what? When sin entered the picture, when when connection was, was, was interrupted, when it was eroded there, basically it was not about the fact that he didn't have clothes. It was about the realization that I'm flawed. And everyone can see it. Now, everyone at that point was his wife, some animals who were also naked, and don't really care, apparently, and God. 
But now he's overwhelmed with shame at his personal condition and vulnerability and rawness above everyone else. He'd been found out, and right now people can see all my flaws. I don't know what Adam and Eve looked like. You know, I think it's our mind that they looked like, you know, models, ripped abs, right? David Beckham, whoever it is. I don't know if Adam at that point already had the dad body. I don't know. (laughs) But he was aware of his flaws. Something was wrong. And now I'm aware of it. The uh uh-oh feeling comes over him. Anyone have that feeling before? Uh Uh-oh. This doesn't feel good. I don't like this. Please don't look at me. I'm naked. People can see all my flaws. There's a reason why people give advice to people who are going to public speaking. Imagine your audience in their underwear. You ever heard that before? I don't do that, by the way, so don't worry. But (laughs) (laughs) it's because of this, because you go, hey, if I just imagine everyone else as flawed as I am, I'm not intimidated by them. I don't have to have shame or fear or guilt, and I don't have to be overly nervous in that way. And and it really is because... When we fall into the trap of, of, of being aware of all of our flaws, it makes us vulnerable and it makes us the next phrase, I heard your voice, I was naked, and I was afraid. I saw my shame and that shame caused fear in me. Fear. You know, fear is this emotional thing. Now, there's good fear like falling off of, of, of a building, not touching a hot thing. That's all right. But, but emotional fear, if it's not dealt with or if it's coming from a root of shame and fear and hiddenness, it will always have a destructive effect on our life. Did you, did you hear that? This is where someone should say amen. The emotional fear undealt with that it comes from shame and guilt will always have a destructive effect on our life because it breaks connection. It, it, when we're not having relationship or our relationship is based on fear and shame and I'm hiding, you, you don't have trust, do you? Can you trust? Can you fully trust when fear is involved? No. You'll always get to a point, but no further. And so when we, when we have a connection that's based on fear and shame now, and trust has been broken, it will prevent deep connection and deep heart-to-heart the way that God designs. And our always, we will find ways to hide. So that's the next thing. So I hid. We hide to minimize the shame, the guilt, the fear, the flawedness of who we are, and especially before God. We do it with each other, and we do it with God. Shame says, please don't look at me. I need to hide myself. I need to hide my flaws. And especially in our relationship with God, and when we, when we are afraid to show any flaws to the world around us in a healthy way, in an appropriate way, there are some people that have no problem showing their flaws. That can be a form of hiding as well. That's a whole other message. We're actually saying, God, I don't actually trust your nature anymore. I don't trust you with all of myself anymore. I don't trust that I 
know what you'll do with this. And so I'm afraid. I don't want to be found out. And I'm going to hide. I'm going to hide. I can't trust God or what he might do if I let him into the deepest places of who I am, if I let him see the raw nakedness of who I am with all my shame and guilt. That's too scary for me. So let me just cover it up with some fig leaves. By the way, that's between hiding behind trees and some leaves. What did you say? It's true. Dave, uh, Carrie said Adam was working with what he had. <laughs> Don't look at me. We're hardwired for deep connection with God and with each other. But we're also hired, hardwired because of sin to hide from God and from each other. And that hiding and that fear and that shame not only leads us from hiding, but it also, if we become good at hiding and deflecting, so it becomes blame, doesn't it? You see Adam's response? It was the woman that you gave me. Right? You guys were ahead of that anyways. And he goes, so the woman, well, how about you? I don't think God was playing David's blame game and going, oh, it must be your fault, Eve. I was going, okay, that's his excuse. What's going on with you? Why are you hiding? It was the serpent. The devil made me do it. Right? Blame always kills connection and tries to cover over shame. The problem can't be with me. Or at least I don't want you to see the problem with me. So let me point the finger. Let me look at the circumstances. Don't look at my nakedness. Look at theirs, please. Phrases like, it's the church's fault. It's my pastor's fault. It's my friend's fault. It's my wife's fault. It's my teacher's fault. It's society's fault. It's whatever it is. And can I just say, listen carefully, those may be very real issues in your life. They may be very real circumstances that have led to woundedness in your life. They may be very real hurts involved and very real disappointments. But if they become blame or excuses that keep you hiding from God and from others and not letting you live in the deepest connections with God and then it keeps you from living in the deepest connections with others and all it will keep you from living in all that God created you to be and you're still hiding. And even though there's very real issues and there was very real blame over the serpent and, and over the woman and over himself and over the circumstances and situations, the excuses were just there to keep hiding. Does that make sense? And we start saying, Please stop looking at the real me. And we become like little kids trying to change the subject. Well, they started it. What they did was worse. Let me tell a real quick story. My nephew, when he was about two years old, he's 28 years old now, but when he was about one and a half, two years old, he was wearing diapers because that's what you do. And he had a mess in his diaper. Not number one. Number two. And if you've been around kids who have ever had that condition in their life, you know it. You don't have to see it. You just know it, right? And I remember my brother-in-law coming in and saying, hey, uh, Tyler, 
Do I need to change your diaper? You got a mess in your diaper? First thing, I can't hear you. First response, right? Can't hear you. Second response, uh, me? No, I'm all good. No, I think you got a mess in your diaper. Let me change it. No, I'm all good. It's, everything's all right, Dad. And, and, then, and then the third thing, hiding behind a chair in the same room. <laughs> if I can't see you, you must not be able to see me. Where are you? See, you see this there, right? Let me change your diaper. You got a mess in there. And all the games of hiding that goes on. And finally, it's the father who says, you know, let's change the diaper. The process may be vulnerable, but it's needed. Because like a messy diaper, you can hide it for so long, and then everyone becomes aware of it, (laughs) no matter how bad you hide it, no matter how long you try to hide it. There is no amount of air freshener that can keep that at bay. We're the same way, and David was the same way. Where can I go from you? Where can I hide from you? Every time I've tried, every place I've gone to, all the extreme, I can't get away from you. And it's not because you're pursuing me to punish me. You're pursuing me to clean up my mess, to reestablish my wholeness and connection with you. Because it's really hard to have a relationship with the stink of dirty diaper around you. Last year, this time, the Lord said to me, Kevin, you're hiding from me. And my response was the same as David's, the same as Adam's. No, I'm not. I'm not hiding from you. What are you talking about? I still go to church every day. If you're looking for some competition. But anyways, uh, talking about I worship, I pray, I lead others in prayer. He said, you may not be running, but you're hiding. And you're not letting me in. You're not letting me near. You're not drawing near to me. You're keeping me at arm's length. You're hurt. You're disappointed in me. You're disappointed in others. And let's be honest, you're disappointed in yourself. I want deeper connection. And you're hiding from me. Let me in. The reality is I know like David, I can't hide, but I try. I hide through Hobbies, I hide through denial, I hide through other relationships, we all hide through fantasy, we hide through being too tired, we hide through being a victim. In my personal favorite, especially in Connecticut, we hide through being too busy for God. Can't talk now, gotta run. Can't talk now, gotta sleep. Got too much to do, got other stuff to happen. I'm too busy serving you to actually get heart to heart and face to face. I'm too busy dealing with everyone else's dirty diapers. 
Here's the solution. Anyone want a solution for this? All right, good. Acknowledge the truth. That's the first step, right? We have to acknowledge, I can't hide. Like David, we have to go, he already knows. He already's there. It's futile to hide. I'm like Shaq, standing behind a bamboo pole. I got fig leaves all over. Let's stop trying to hide. And what ways am I trying to hide? Second thing is invite his help. Acknowledge the problem. Acknowledge the truth. And then invite his help. Did you see the last two verses of this? In verse 23 and 24. Dave, if you can put them up on the screen. But I'm going to read them from the Passion Translation because I think it catches the heart of what David's saying here. He's first saying, you already know me. You know me better than I thought. You know me in, more com- in ways that make me feel comfortable. They actually make me feel uncomfortable. I try to hide from you. But I know you got wonderful plans for me, wonderful thoughts over me. I know your final destiny and identity is better than I can imagine. And so then he, write, he ends it this way. And I'm going to read from the Passion Translation. So listen to me as I read this to you. David says this, and here's the solution. Acknowledge the problem and ask for help. Invite help. And he says this, God Here's basically what he's saying. I don't want to hide anymore. I can't anyways. And I'm going to trust you. So here it is. God, I invite your searching gaze into my heart. I give you permission to examine me through and through. Find out everything that may be hidden within me. It's not hidden from God, but it's often hidden within me. Put me to the test and sift through all of my anxious cares. See if there's any path of pain I'm walking on. And lead me back to your glorious, everlasting ways. The path that brings me back to you. Heart to heart, face to face, deeper friendship and connection. Isn't that good? We're made for it. We're created for it. Would you stand with me? Um, please do not look at me and say, oh, Kevin's got it all figured out. I just got some verses. Does that make sense? And so do you. Here's the answer. I don't want to hide anymore. I'm stepping out from the tree, and I'm willing to drop the fig leaves. I'm ready to come before you. I'm scared to death. But I'm going to trust in your goodness. And so I'm making myself available to you. Some of you, you just need to know where and how are you hiding from God? What is the shame or the flaw that you're desperately afraid that other people will see? What keeps you from going deeper with God and keeping him at arm's length? God sees all of you. He wants all of you. And here's a scandalous thought. Through Christ, he loves all of you. So much that he did everything he could do to wipe out the sin and to cover your shame. No more longer with fig leaves, but with the righteousness of Christ. Will you let him?
Will you invite him into the process? Trust and exposure is love. Can I encourage you right now? Just where you're at. If, you're, if you know that in many different ways through actions, behaviors, attitudes, lifestyle, whatever it is, you've been on a journey of hiding from God, even though you're in church, even though you, the reality is, is that you don't have that heart-to-heart connection or the way you used to. And if you were to be honest, it may be you're going, I don't even know. So ask God, God, am I hiding from you? In what ways am I hiding from you? In what ways am I trying to cover up, put the masks on, put the walls up? What ways am I trying to do everything in my power to keep you and from others from seeing the real me? It's become such a habit. I don't even know I'm doing it anymore. It's completely subconscious. I've been doing it for decades now, God. And I'm asking you, please, would you in your gentleness and in your love and in your compassion, search me, know me, reveal to me in ways that I've disconnected and I'm hiding from you. And God, I don't want anything else from robbing me of heart to heart, love to love, and skin to skin connection with you. So in my fear and in my shame, I give, I'm asking you to come in anyways with your tenderness and love. And I'm willing to start today and say, God, I invite your searching gaze, your loving gaze. I'm going to ask that you would come in, God, and look at me. And let me, let me feel your gaze upon me, not with shame, not with flaws, not that you're trying to point out things that I'm afraid to let others see so that you can, that, that you can shame me too, but that you can go, let's work on it. Let's deal with it. Let me heal you of it. You know, I'm so glad that God heals thyroids, but if you listen to Julie's story, part of it was, was healing a wound in the heart from a curse, probably sometimes the healing we need in deeper ways. So I just encourage you just to close your eyes right now. Just say, God, give me the courage not to hide anymore. I want to be real with you. I ask that you would heal every part of me that tries to hide. Would you call me out when I do it? Not with guilt and shame and condemnation, because I know that's not you, that's the enemy, but with love and affection. But I might feel your embrace, may feel your love, may, may find the pathway for healing forward. I know it's a process, God, but I'm just starting right now to say, I don't want to hide anymore. I want all of you. So, Father, I just why don't you put your hand on your own heart? I want to pray for you right now. Father, I ask in your name that you would break off the shame, the fear. Would you make us so desperate for you that we stop hiding? Father, would you come behind the tree? Would you get behind the fig leaves, Lord? Do whatever it takes, God, to to get us to the place where we're so embraced by your love and affection. And God, that can we, can we do this together, God, in such a way as a community that we can start not pointing out everybody else's naked flaws, but we can start saying, God, help them too. If, it, if you've taught anything that I can help them with, then let's do this together. And in Jesus' name, I break off the shame and the accusation and the condemnation of the evil one who wants us hiding. May we come into your light 
May we come into your acceptance and forgiveness through Jesus, our Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name we pray. We agree and say amen and amen.